Chapter 12 Mercy and Betrayal Aubrey Shama woke to Vita setting her breakfast platter on the table in front of her bed. Feeling the heat of the morning, she kicked off her sheets and they slipped to the floor. Vita began walking out of the room. Vita, Abisham said, half awake. Yes, princess, Vita said, stopping in her tracks. Where's Roya? Abisham said, blinking her grogginess away. In her chambers, princess. She felt ill this morning. It's not like her to just skip a day of work. She felt dizzy this morning. Each time she tried to get up, she would fall back down. It was my recommendation that she stay in her chambers. A good choice. I can't have your sister dying on me. Who then would keep me entertained with witty banter about my brother? Abisham smiled as she sat up. We may need to call a healer, princess, Vida said, grabbing a gown from the closet and handing it to Abisham. Is her dizziness that bad? Abisham said, slipping on the gown and fixing her hair. She has been falling ill for quite some time. Today was the worst. She couldn't even keep dinner down last night. Vida, I had no clue. Why did you not tell me before? Abisham said, looking worried. We didn't want to worry you, princess. We thought... No worries, Abisham said, raising a hand. She sensed embarrassment from Vida. Embarrassment and disappointment. Let us call a healer. This will all be sorted out soon enough. It was now late afternoon. Abisham and Vita were in the servants' chambers, waiting patiently. Abisham sat by the windowsill, in a seat that was far too comfortable to be kept in the servants' chambers. Yet for her favorite servants, no expense was to be spared. Roya laid in the bed, unconscious, sweating bullets. Her sickness was severely understated when Vita described it to Abisham. One look at her, and she summoned for the fastest male servant to call on the healer. That was hours ago and Vida now paced across the floor in front of Roya's bed, stopping periodically to check if Roya was awake, then huffing a single breath before continuing to pace. Finally, she stopped and addressed Abisham. How can you be so calm? Vida said, raising her hands. Because I sent our fastest servant to call on the healer. However, Abisham didn't include that she needed to stay calm for her own sake as well. I just can't stop worrying. Vita said. What if the healer can't? But Abisham raised a hand to silence her. It will be all right, Vita. Roya will be fine. I can guarantee. The healer that I sent is trustworthy, and so am I. Abisham looked out the window as the sun began to set. Although, she is taking her time getting here. I sent the servant this morning. Her brow furrowed as Vita began to pace again, clasping her hands. Abisham rose and walked out the door heading for the center of the Colosseum where business is done. She entered the doorway into a large room where slaves knelt months prior, being sold by Odon. Inside the room was her brother, standing over the bodies of two people, drained of life by his death touch. The first being the healer fetched on Roya's behalf, and the second, the slave sent to retrieve her. Mahal took a deep breath, letting his muscles shrink to their original size and blinking away the bloodshots in his eyes. Quick taps in the hallway could be heard. Princess, come quick! She's... Vita said, bursting through the doorway. When she spotted the bodies lying on the floor, she gasped, cupping her hands over her mouth in realization. Vita had seen enough death to contain herself in situations like these. Yet these bodies must have caught her off guard. 
Maybe it was the fact that she was upset. Or maybe it was the fact that one of these people, now lying dead on the floor, was her sister's only hope of becoming healthy. Either way, a show of emotion from any female was annoying to Mahal, and Abisham knew that more than anyone. Out! Abisham snapped, pointing a finger at the door. Vita rushed out the door as tears sparkled down her cheek. Abisham turned to Mahal. How could you do this? she said, anger leaking from her tone. What do you care, girl? What does it matter? That was a healer I summoned. Why would you kill her? And the servant, too? That servant left without my direct permission. You know they are not to leave the Colosseum. The woman entered my Colosseum without permission. Getting the picture? You monster. Roya needed that healer. You know that any man healer would not spare the time for a female servant. That seems very trivial for you to fret over. It was simply a servant. Do as I do. Mahal shrugged his shoulders and turned away. Replace her with another. It is not that hard to find a homeless wretch such as Roya's mother. Now why don't you make yourself useful and buy a new outfit or whatever you females do in your free time? I have things to attend to. Seemingly for emphasis, Mahal reached into his pouch and threw some money chips in Abrisham's direction. Then he walked over to the windowsill to look at the city below. Abrisham was beyond livid. She clenched her fist so frustrated that she didn't know what to say. All she could think about was the fact that her brother had just killed Roya's only chance at a healthy life. There were no words to express the level of rage and betrayal she felt for her brother. This was not the first time she had been treated like garbage by Mahal. Yet essentially killing Roya, a servant she grew up beside, someone who was more of a sister to Abrisham than a servant, that crossed the line. And to feel absolutely no remorse for his actions whatsoever was enough to drive Abisham mad with rage. Near the windowsill, Mahal massaged his head, bending down slightly and contorting his face with pain. Abisham cocked her head. Had she caused this pain? She had never before admitted such strong emotions toward her brother, while still in his presence. Thinking about it made her lose concentration, and Mahal released his head. Leave me, girl. You have become quite a headache to be around. In more ways than one, he said in his usual tone, a tone of voice that made her stomach churn when she heard it. He obviously hadn't suspected that she was actually the cause of his headache, or he would have been much more upset. To Mahal, Abrisham was a weak female that couldn't so much as defend herself as causing physical pain. She huffed a breath and stomped out of the room, slamming the door behind her. So what if he got upset at her showing emotion? She entered the servant's chamber to find Vita kneeling beside Roya, who had stopped sweating bullets. In fact, she stopped breathing altogether. She kept shaking, and I didn't know what to do. I went to find you, Mama Hall, and then, and then she just stopped shaking, and I, I don't... Vita said, between shaky breaths. With wide eyes, she examined the motionless body of her sister that laid before her. She rested her head on Roya's stomach, sobbing desperately. Abisham sat on the bed next to her, 
unable to keep the tears from welling in her eyes. This girl was much more to her than a servant, much more than a friend. She was family. In many ways, she kept Abisham sane when Mahal went on a rampage or offended her deeply. It was as if Abisham had lost a part of herself, and she felt lost. She knelt down and hugged Vida. She felt weak and could barely hold herself up as they both cried. Hours later, when the body was taken away and buried, Albisham laid awake in her bed, hugging her silky sheets as she thought. What was she to do without Roya? Could that have been avoided? Certainly it could have. If only she had specifically instructed the servant to come directly to the chamber instead of going through the meeting room. If only her brother would have been more merciful on them instead of killing them as father would. If only her brother didn't exist. Enough. She rose from her bed and dressed herself. Heading out the door, she walked down several hallways leading to the mines. Rather than taking the traditional route, guarded by armed men, she slipped into the hidden path unknown by her brother or father, leading directly to the caves of the left mine. The way there seemed shorter than she remembered, yet her secret place still remained. A cove overlooking one of the empty railroad tracks in left mine, which once served as a place of refuge for a very lonely, broken girl. She sat in her usual spot that overlooked the torchlight in the opening below. This was the safest place in the Colosseum. No one knew it existed. Therefore, no one could bother her. Surrounded by nothing but darkness and tiny bits of light that leaked from the torches below, she could clear her thoughts and just breathe. There weren't even miners that came out this far, as all the iron had been cleared from this area long ago. However, there was one singular miner leaning against the wall, trying to rest. What miner would travel this far into left mine? They usually stay in groups. Safety in numbers. Yet this miner diverged from the group to sleep alone. How peculiar. Abrisham focused her power into the man's mind to access his thoughts and memories, only to be met by the same black soup as the miner she had talked to before. The powerful and expensive champion that father had killed for. Jackson? She said in his mind, and he jolted out of his sleep, rising to his feet and looking around. He grabbed his chin with one hand, thinking for a moment, then snapped a finger. Is that you? The girl I talked to before? It is. Abisham. Daughter of the lion. To what do I owe the pleasure after these... What has it been? Weeks? Months? I've lost count. I have questions. You have answers. There was not much that the lion taught Abisham but thinking quickly on her feet was one of them. Before that, where are you? Are you close? I can't feel where your thoughts are coming from. Do you doubt my power? That I can communicate with you from wherever I please? I guess I hadn't thought about it. Anyway, what's your question? I want to know more of what your home is like. How the women are treated there. Abisham felt a hint of confusion from Jack following the question. What do you mean? He thought. How are women treated where you are from? With respect? Well, yeah. I'm still not understanding the context, though. Do they fear the men of your home? No, they don't. Do they fear the men here? They do. Women are not granted the same rights as men. They are treated as property. And they have no say in the matter. Oh, 
I understand. Yeah, women are treated generally as equals. In fact, there are some situations where men are the ones fearing women. Women in power. Women with power. I've seen some women strong enough to overpower six men on a bad day. Habisham smiled at the thought. It seemed so alien, so absurd for women to be overpowering men, so far from what she had ever experienced. What he was describing was very close to one of her fondest daydreams. Thoughts of overthrowing her brother, overthrowing her father as well, becoming the first female warlord to ever rule the subcountry of Afghanistan. Returning to these daydreams made her feel a bit more free, a bit more in control of her situation, of her thoughts, of her freedom. Then do it! Jack's voice rang in her head, this time making Abisham jolt back into reality. How did you... She thought, feeling her heart pound in her chest. Do you doubt my power? To talk to you wherever I please? I'm starting to get the hang of this telepathy thing. At least the communication part of it. I still don't know how you probed my memories, though. Why not overthrow your father? That's simply not possible. Do you know how powerful he is? Uh, yeah. I got a taste of it firsthand when I fought a Paul. Who, by the way, is a total jerk, if I may add. Then you understand that I cannot defy my father without serious consequences. But you're not going to just sit around and do nothing, are you? I'm afraid I must. They are simply too powerful to fight, and I do not have the influence that my brother has to turn people against him. I have no options. I'm sorry, Bree. I wish I could help, or come up with some solution for your problem. But as you can see, or maybe not, I'm stuck in the mines and the gate is electrified. There are other ways out. That is all I will say. Abisham sat still and made her mind become quiet. Wait. Bree? Bree? Then Abisham shut the door of her mind, blocking his access to her thoughts. After a moment, Jack sat back down, leaning against the wall. Closing his eyes, his surface thoughts once again disappeared, as though he had immediately sunk into a deeper mental state than Abisham could access. Feeling her curiosity bubble once again, she decided to return to bed. What a peculiar man. <laughs>